My mother tells me that this is absolutely a true story. When she was younger, she was part of this house church, this hippie-style church that were radical followers of Jesus. And, and they heard that there was this church of Satan doing a child dedication service somewhere in our area. And so they found out the information. And my mom and dad, along with a bunch of other believers from this, this church of theirs, they, they crashed this Satan party. And there were about 200 people in this room. And, and there were some men up front in black. And they were baptizing these children. There, there were these families, or what appeared to be families, up front baptizing their children, dedicating their children to Satan. Now you think about this. These families were teaching their children to live for themselves, to pleasure themselves, to run after themselves, to take care of only themselves, and to live a life that would please their one and only master, Satan. Is this stuff real? Or is it just Hollywood? A family friend of ours who was a Christian, a lady, um, her husband was not a Christian. He wasn't a believer. He didn't believe in supernatural things. He wasn't against her faith. He wasn't against anybody having faith. He just did not believe in the supernatural. Even though he supported her pursuing her faith, he would even come to church to support her every once in a while, like some of you maybe. Maybe you're here today and you don't believe. You don't follow this Jesus guy. You're not sure about all of this supernatural stuff, but you're here to support your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband. and uh, but, but for you, it's not real. Well, this lady, this Christian lady tells our family of a time where she met a girl in the neighborhood, about a 17, 18-year-old young lady, um, and, and she just started to be friends with her, to build a relationship with her. And she started to reach out. She started to try to share her faith with this girl. And the topic of conversation eventually turned towards spiritual things. And she found out that this young lady was getting deeper and deeper into the occult. And, and so this Christian woman, this family friend of ours, she starts to pray earnestly. She starts to really seek God on behalf of this young woman. Well, about a week later, a week after meeting this young lady, she says she was standing in her kitchen, looking out the kitchen window, and back over to her left was the back door of the house, the kitchen door. Her five-year-old little boy was playing on the floor around her, and all of a sudden, her little boy, five years old, looks up, true story, and says, Mommy, there's a man standing at the door. You see, over to her left of her shoulder was the back door of the house. And so this woman, she says she turns and she looks over her shoulder and she sees a man standing there, quiet, still, but just evil. And it was like this was a demon or, or maybe a devil or, or something of that nature. I'm not even sure what it was, but it, to her, it embodied evil. And it just stood there and it was like it was trying to strike fear in her heart, but she said she would not be afraid. As a matter of fact, she started to claim the name of Christ in that moment. She started to speak the name of Christ. And with, in moments, the man just vanished. He just literally to her, this is what she says. She says, he just disappears. And she realized that this evil spirit was meant to strike fear in her heart, but she wouldn't be afraid. She said she wouldn't be afraid because she trusted in Christ. And, and so she knew something was connected to this girl in the neighborhood. And so she started to pray even harder for this girl. She started to reach out even harder toward this girl. She started to speak about Jesus even more to this girl. True story. About a week after that, she says she's lying in bed with her husband. Remember, her husband is not a believer in supernatural things. She says she's lying in bed and they're talking, and all of a sudden, this same man, 
appears standing at the end of her bed, standing there, quiet, still, and evil. And she leans over to her husband really quietly and says, honey, do you see the man at the end of our bed? She says, he looks up and says, no, I do not see him. But then this man, this lady says, leans over to the bed and starts shaking the bed, starts shaking the bed. And her husband says, I don't see him, but I can feel every move in the bed. And the wife starts to pray. She starts speaking the name of Jesus, and the man vanishes. True story. According to this couple, they said this happened several other times. Friends, is this real, or is this just Hollywood? Let me tell you something. I'm a Christian. I believe in what the Bible says. I believe that there is good, and I believe that there is evil in this world. I believe that there is God, and I believe that there is a devil. I believe that there are demons, and I believe that there are angels. I believe that there is a supernatural battle all around us. And today we're starting a brand new series called Enemy, The Battle Rages. As we begin to talk about supernatural things, I I think there are two mistakes that church people often make. I think on one hand, you have those on the extreme end that say everything is, is spiritual, everything is supernatural, that there is a demon behind every corner. Everything that goes wrong in life is the fault of some sort of devil or some sort of demon. You know, like you get in a car accident and you go, oh, it's the devil's fault when really it's just because you're a lousy driver or we're really broke in life and and it must be the devil's fault. No, no, no. Maybe you just need to get a second job and stop spending like the devil, right? But on the other hand, there is another mistake that people make. And it's a mistake that people in modern churches like us often make is that they discount the supernatural. They discount the spirit world. They they put their head in the sand and they think, well, if I don't know about it, if I don't think about it, if I don't care about it, then it won't hurt me. It can't dominate me in any way. And we miss the fact that the scripture teaches us that we live inside a battle, that we live in a battle that's raging all around us, that there is this seen world and there is this unseen world. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10. It says that for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages war. No, no, no. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine power that is able to demolish strongholds. We live in a physical world, but there is another world. There are two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. There is good and there is evil. And we do not fight in the world like like people fight in our world. We don't use knives and guns and bombs and nunchucks and slingshots. So how do we battle this unseen world? How do we battle this unseen enemy? Well, the book of Ephesians tells us this. Be strong. It says, finally, be strong, my brother. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You can't do this on your own. You can't defeat the enemy on your own. You don't have enough strength to defeat temptation. You don't have enough strength to defeat the strongholds, the things that hold on to your life on your own. You You need to find your strength inside of Christ. And here's what it says next. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Whose schemes? 
the devil schemes. You have an enemy. You have an unseen enemy. The scripture speaks of this enemy wandering around, roaming around, looking to steal from you, to take from you, to destroy all that is good and honorable and holy in your life. He, he wants to destroy you and your children and everything that you have worked for in your life. All that is good, he wants to steal from you. So it says, put on the full armor of God. And why does it say that we put on the full armor of God? It's, it's because it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your evil neighbor. It's not against the guy who cut you off on the road. It's not against the Democrats or the Republicans. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. It says, but we battle against the rulers of this world, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you have a battle you're facing, if there's a giant that's come up against you, if there's a lion that's been chasing you down or that you've been chasing down, your deal is not against people. Your deal is not against the government. Your deal is not against Hollywood. Your deal is not against your, your boss from hell. Your, your deal is against the boss of hell. The battle you face is against the enemy that stands between you and God. You, you see, we live in this physical world. And this physical world creates a spiritual haze. It, it causes us not to see. It causes us not to hear what's really going on around us. But the scripture says that we need to open our eyes. We need to open our ears. We need to see what is in the unseen. We really do, friends, because there is more than what we see around us. We have to understand that there is truly a lot more going on than we could ever see with our eyes. And this is such an important principle to learn because it affects every area of our life. It affects our faith. It affects how we walk into and through this world. It affects our relationships. This idea that there is an unseen world going on around us, that there is this battle raging around us, it changes our perspective. It changes how we see life. And there are some biblical principles that emerge from this concept. And the first thing is we learn more and more about the unseen world, the, the supernatural world. The first thing that we need to understand is that you are not alone. Uh, this reminds me of a story that comes from the pages of Scripture. Way back in 2 Kings chapter 6, we learned the story of Elijah. He was a great prophet of God. God used him to help lead the people of Israel. Well, at this time, the people of Israel were doing battle with the kingdom of Aram, and they were beat into the corner. And Elijah finds himself alone with his servant in a cave. And this is what the Scripture says. Very, very interesting. It says, early the next morning, when the servant man of God got up, and went out, listen to what it says. It says, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? And this servant to the prophet, he gets up and he goes outside and, and, he, and he looks up and he sees that they are utterly surrounded, that they have no hope, that they have no help, that they have no prayer for making it through this, right? But what's interesting is Elijah's reaction to this. This man of God, this servant of God, this, this prophet from God, he, he basically laughs it off and he says, he says, you have no idea because those who are for us far outnumber those who are against us. Listen to what it says. Then Elisha says, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots all around Elisha. 
You see what's going on here? All of a sudden, God opens his eyes, opens this, this, uh, this servant's eyes to the fact that he is not alone. And he sees all of these armies that have come up against him. But then he turns and he sees all the armies of God that had surrounded the great prophet. More were with them than were against them. And God did something incredible. He made them realize that they were not alone. And the principle that we learn is that we are not alone in doing battle with this unseen world. And here's the second thing that we need to understand about this spiritual battle that rages around us. And that is that prayer matters. When dealing with this unseen world, when you're you're dealing with the supernatural, is you can never forget that your prayers matter, that prayer matters deeply, that prayer is far more effective than you could ever imagine. Sometimes we think that when we pray, nobody hears. When we we pray that it's just falling on deaf ears, we think, where are you, God? Why, Why don't you answer this? Let me tell you something. God is at work in the unseen world. This reminds me of a story that comes from the life of a man named Daniel. Daniel was this man of God who uh, God used in incredible ways. He was a faithful follower uh, of the things of God. and, And he ended up being enslaved in his life. Literally, he was taken into exile, into slavery. He was in a world that he wasn't comfortable with. He was in a world that was not his home. Uh, He was oppressed in every single way. And he was seeking God through prayer. He was praying over and over. And he felt that God was nowhere near him. He felt that God was not listening to him. But in Daniel chapter 10, there's something crazy happens. A a spirit messenger, an angel, literally appears to Daniel and says, Daniel, do not be afraid. Then he says, ever since the day that you started to seek understanding, ever since the day that you humbled yourself before God, he says this, heaven has heard your prayers. Heaven has heard your prayers. You see, friends, sometimes we think that we're alone. We think that God is not hearing from us. When we're beat down, when we're broken, when we're disappointed, we think that somehow God has forgotten us, and yet we cry out to him. Yet we we plead with him. We ask God to do what we cannot do for ourselves, and yet we think God's not listening. Let me tell you something, friends. God hears. And God is at work. As a matter of fact, the very next verse, it says this, that this messenger, this spirit messenger says to Daniel, he says, today I have come to you so that you will know God has heard your prayers. And then he begins to describe that there has been this spiritual battle. If you were to go back and read this for yourself, it would describe that the spirit messenger said, I was delayed in coming to you because there was this prince of darkness that was battling against the forces of God. And and there was a war surrounding your life that you didn't even realize, Daniel. You didn't even know it was happening. And yet God was doing battle on your behalf. That's why it took us so long to get to you. Do you ever feel like it's taking God forever? Do you ever feel like God's never going to come to the rescue like he promises? He says, don't you forget, you are not alone. And God does hear you. Your prayer matters greatly. You know, we've been at this really cool place. It's called the realm of darkness. And these people are so nice. It's up in Pontiac. Uh, these people have been so gracious to us. They, they've done an incredible job uh, with this haunted house. And, and what's interesting is that this haunted house, it's all fake. There's no reason to be afraid of any of this. It's all fake. But the spirit world that we've been talking about and that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks together, 
It's real. There is a spiritual war going on. There is a battle that rages around us. We have an enemy. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this because it's real. How you doing? Boo. The scripture says, he who has eyes, let him see, and he who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear. You know, I was thinking about that story of the, uh, the man who was not a believer, whose wife saw this, this fella in, in her very home, and he felt the effects of it. Told me to my face. But it's interesting how the scripture says, You have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. That you have to have this thing called faith to to look beyond just the surface of this world, just the physical plane of this world. But I I think that most of us, maybe not all, but most of us, I I think that we know somewhere deep inside that there is, there is a different world at work, a supernatural world. I think we understand, I think we resonate with the idea that there is good and that there is evil in this world. And that there is God and there is an enemy that exists against God and against God's people. And over the next several weeks together, I'm hoping that we can uncover a little bit of this together. I hope that we can learn to do battle in this world and in the other world that is unseen. Because God wants to do great things in our life and we have an enemy that wants to stand against us. Y'all hear me on this? You ever feel like God wants to do something great in your life and you have something pushing against you, something fighting you every step of the way? Anybody in the room? Anybody? Come on. You have an enemy. And the scripture is going to teach us about how to deal with this enemy. And so here's where I'd like to start, if it's okay with you. This understanding that there is this very real battle that rages in our soul and it is not against flesh and blood. It is against the powers of darkness and the principalities of this world. All that is to say that we have a different enemy than than we can normally see. And the scripture says this. Now, you may not believe this. You may not be sure of this. But the scripture actually gives this enemy a name. His name is called Satan. His name is called the devil. He is the one who works against the hand of God in your life and in my life, and in the world around us. And the scripture says that this enemy is going to do certain things to come up against us. So if you are the note-taking type of person, uh, I want us to open the pages of scripture together and to see how the enemy is at work in and against your life. And here's the very first thing that the scripture is going to teach us, is the scripture teaches us that he blinds the minds of unbelievers. Now, I do not mean for this to be insulting at all if you are in this room and you're going, I'm not sure that there's a God. I'm not sure if I believe in all this stuff. I'm not here to insult you. I'm just here to tell you what the scripture says. It says that you have an enemy and the very first thing that he does is he blinds those who say they do not believe. He comes up against, he shields, he fights against, he stands against those who who do not believe. And here's how this works. For example, you, you come into a place like this And no matter how creative, no matter how passionate, no matter how engaging the moment or the experience is, there's always something else to grab your attention. There's always something else that takes it somewhere else. So you come in here, here's how it works. The guy up front or the band's up front or something's happening and you go, oh, that's real nice. I'm really kind of into this. Oh, wow. I wonder if I took out the trash last night. 
What? What? A coffee shop and church? I never even thought of that. I want to. I like coffee. I think a coffee shop and church is a great idea. I don't know why. I wonder what kind of coffee they do serve here. I don't know. Maybe I should try that after. I wonder what God thinks about. It. I don't know. I'm not even sure. I believe in God. What am I even asking God? What does he? What does he care about? I don't know. Hey, did I pay my bills? Did I pay? My, what, what time the lions on this weekend? Who cares what time the lions are on this weekend? Amen. Amen. Not worth watching. But here's what goes on in your, in your life and in my life. Is when we have these moments where we set ourselves into a divine opportunity to experience something other than this world, our hearts, our minds, our souls, if you're anything like me, you wander. And the scripture says that we have an enemy who wants to blind your mind. He, he wants to block you from hearing the truth. And here's why, friends. Because Jesus himself says, if you hear the truth and you experience the truth and you accept the truth, he says it'll set you free. It'll free your soul. It'll revolutionize your soul. It'll revolutionize your life. And, and so you have an enemy that's at work trying to block you from seeing. He, he's trying to blind you from seeing all that God wants to do. And some of you, you come into this place and you're here only because like, you're, you're here to support your kids or you're here to support your wife or you're here to support your friend. And, and the only reason you're here is because they nagged you to death and you're like, hey, I'm here, right? And we're glad you're here. But you need to be warned that you have an enemy that doesn't want you to really hear or to see what God is doing in this world. You have an enemy that wants to keep you blind. Here is what it says in the pages of scripture. This is true, friends. It says this, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter four, it says, the God, little g, right? The God of this world, who is Satan, says, the God of this age has what? Has what? Come on. Blinded the minds of unbelievers. He, he tries to stop you from seeing truth. And for those of us who might be on the other side of belief now, where we've come to this point where we say, I, I believe, some massive change has occurred in our soul. We, we've gone from one kingdom to the other where, where we say God has, has done a work in us. <coughs> Many of us will tell you, we spent a lot of years hearing things of God, but never really hearing. We, we, we saw church life and church people, and we would say, hey, I don't get why, boy, they feel God like I don't feel God. They see God like I don't feel, see God. And many of us would say we experienced that. And there had to be this moment in our life where we lowered our defenses. And we said, God, if you're real at all, I need you to speak to me because I'm ready to listen. He blinds the eyes of <coughs> those who have yet to believe. And here's what else he does. He does this. He steals you may want to write this down, that we have an enemy. The second thing the enemy does <coughs> is that he, he tries to steal God's word from you. For example, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe at different times in your life, um, you did set yourself into environments where you took steps forward in faith and you started maybe going to church regularly or maybe you went to some old church camp growing up or you just had these moments where you go, wow, I really think that God is true, that God is at work and you start taking these steps and you start making even decisions in your life like you're going, there were seasons where you just said, you know what? I believe this is real and I'm just going to go for this. I'm just going to open my heart to all this God stuff out there. And you took some big leaps forward in your life. And I guarantee you there are people in this room who have had, had moments in their life where they go from unbelief to big step forward with belief. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, 
It's like it's been stolen from them. And they just tumble backwards in faith. Like you, like you had these days where you walked out of even at church and go, man, that is so good. That is so for me. That is so real to me. I got to move forward in this way. But the very next day you get out of bed and there is just something in your soul that wakes up empty and it's vanished. All that God seemed to do with you the Sunday before just is, it's gone. Maybe at one point you were heading toward God and you were like going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change some big things in my life. And you're going, you know what? I, I'm going to find, let's say, a date, a, a man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like you're a woman and you're going, I'm going to date a man who's going to love God and I'm not going to compromise on this. And this is my dream. And all of a sudden God is pouring a new thought, a new direction in your life. And you're like committed to this. But then all of a sudden, something vanishes. It's like stolen from you and you compromise and you end up someplace that you never dreamed possible. You end up with somebody that you never dreamed it was possible to end up with. And it's like, it's just stolen from you. Maybe at one point you were saying that, you know what, I think I'm going to be heading toward even this idea of ministry in some way. I'm going to, I'm going to serve in some way. I'm going to get involved in some way. And it's like it's stolen from you. Here's what it says. In the book of Matthew, Jesus speaking these words, he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, who shows up? Say it with me, the, the evil one. He comes and he snatches away that which was sown in his heart. In other words, it's planted somewhere, but then it's like, it's like he just steals it from you. It's gone. We have to be aware of what the enemy does and how he operates. And here's the next thing. He blinds, he steals, and let me tell you something else he does. He traps. He blinds, he steals, and he traps. He, he wants to trap you into a dangerous lifestyle. He wants to trap you into junk, and he wants to keep you going into deeper and deeper with that junk. He, he wants to, you to hold on to things that will separate you from God. I know this to be true in my life, and my, my guess is that anybody in this room who has a walk with God will tell you. That there are things that are just traps in our life. That they just keep coming back and they just keep cycling around. And you go, I thought I was done with this. And it just keeps cycling around. It's like a trap. We keep walking into it. Uh, let me tell you something. I hate snakes. Amen. Glory to God. Anybody? I hate snakes. And I'll tell you what else I hate. I hate raccoons. I hate raccoons as much as snakes. True story. I lived in uh, the fine city of Taylor for 14 years. And seven of those years, I lived at one location that was infested. And I mean haunted. I mean, they taunted me. These raccoons were everywhere. I tell you the truth, my friends, they, they thought they lived, like when they filled out their mailing address, it was the Chasso home. I mean, they, they were everywhere. They tore up our house. They tore up our yard. They burned into our house. Uh, they pooped all over our house. I think that's more information than you wanted to hear, but I feel better talking about it publicly now, okay? But it's true. The, the, these things were evil, and they were smart, and they were evil. I kid you not, count them. We at one time had seven raccoons in my garage at one time. Seven. True story. Uh, another time, I have a friend over, and our garage door is up, and I am outside, just at the edge of the garage door, talking to him, and my wife, my wonderful wife, she's about halfway into the garage, in the dead middle of the garage, and she's in there doing something, and my friend comes up the driveway, and we're talking, I'm like, dude, I've been doing battle with these raccoons, and I am telling them about the evil raccoons that have invaded our property, and that we are in an all-out war at this point. True story. And uh, so he's saying, all, I'm saying all this to him, and my, my lovely little wife, who really doesn't get involved with a lot of these discussions, she pipes up, and she says, oh, it is true. 
It is like an all-out battle zone at our house now. These raccoons are everywhere. They're on the house. They're in the house. They're up on the deck. They try to get in the house. It is crazy. They're everywhere. And she's saying all this. And my friend, true story, he's standing at the edge of the garage. My wife is halfway in, in the dead middle of the garage. He goes, sort of like the raccoon right there. And he points right over Lynette's head, who is standing a couple feet in front of this window. And on top of the window was the biggest, baddest mother raccoon you've ever seen perched like right over my wife's head like this. And I'm like, come on, you kidding me? He goes, right there. And of course, me and my wife turn around. She freaks out. I mean, just like, you heard of walking on water? You ever hear of walking on air? True story. She's out of there. And I can only tell you this, that that raccoon and I, we exchanged blows. It came to blows. But I'm embarrassed to say he got away. (laughs) It's terrible. So what I do next is I say, we got to fix this problem. We got to get that mother. We get the mother, we get them all. True story. I go downtown to the city of Taylor and I say, I got these raccoons. They go, oh yeah, we got raccoons everywhere. We got these traps we'll give you. I said, traps? This is beautiful. Why didn't anybody tell me about these things? And so they say, what you got to do is you got to set this trap up and then you put this food in the trap and these little guys will walk right in, they'll grab the food, it'll trigger the trap door and then you got them and you bring them back to us and we'll take care of them from there. I'm like, oh, awesome plan. And so for the next, not two, but three weeks, the Shasos, we set out dinner for these raccoons. And after about a week, I could hear the raccoons saying, these Shasos are wonderful. They're feeding us dinner every single night. After three weeks, we had fed them dinner every single night, and yet we didn't catch one, not a stinking one. Listen to me, friends. There is an enemy that is setting up a trap against you. And and I don't know if the enemy is just smarter than us or we're dumber than the raccoons, but we walk right into the trap, and the door comes down, and we're caught. Come on. And you know it. We have an enemy because what happens is, is in, the, in the very things or the very thing that you're weakest in, when you make a decision to move on beyond that weakness, doesn't it seem like the very next day the devil just cycles right back around and puts it right back up in your face? Anybody? Come on. I mean, you decide that you are not going to fight anymore with your wife, that you're going to change, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lower the temperature in your house in the wrong ways, if you know what I'm saying, and you th- something's going to change inside of you. And the very next morning, your wife didn't even say anything, but you got up and you're already angry at her. And there's something that she did, and you, I don't even know, you don't even know what she did, but something just triggers it and sets you off. Or, or maybe you decide to leave the party scene, if you know what I mean, And the very next day, your friend says, dude, I got a keg and I got some hot chicks coming over and you need to be here. Well, I can't. No, no, no. You you need to be here. Maybe you decide that you're going to change your heart and the purity of your heart. And you're going to clean up your eyes and your ears. And you decide that you're going to not look at some of the things that you've looked at for way too long. Some of the things that are taking your heart far from the heart of God. And all of a sudden, there's just one little image One little comment, one little something that triggers your mind and you go right back, click, 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 click. You have an enemy that wants to trap you. And we're dumber than raccoons. We walk right into it and we let the trap door come right down on us and we spin around in that thing for a long, long time. Is that the truth? It's the truth. I'm not going to let food control me anymore. We do. I'm going to not let what other people think of me control me anymore. We do. 
I'm going to not let my eyes take me where I should not go anymore, but we do. It's like a trap. Here's what the scripture says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says this, and one day they will come to their senses and escape the trap of who? Come on, who? The devil, who has taken them captive to do his will, not to do the work of God, not to do the will of God, but Satan, there's this enemy of God who wants to trap you into doing his will, not the will of God. So friends, what do we have here? We have an enemy who, who wants to blind you, who wants to steal from you, who wants to trap you. And let me tell you what else he does. He wants to block you. And here's what I mean by this. He wants to block you. He also wants to stop the work of God from progressing in your life. Let's just fast forward into your life a little bit. Maybe you're at this point where, where you, you, are, uh, you, are, you have made some decisions and you're moving forward in your life, and you're going, you know what? I'm digging this whole God relationship thing, this whole God-man relationship thing. It is changing my life, and, and I know, and I know, and I know that God is doing something. I don't care what the whole rest of the world says. All I know is that I feel the Spirit of God talking to me every time I'm around God's people, every time I'm around God's Word, every time I hear like the preacher preach or, or these godly songs come into my life. I feel, I sense God at work inside of me. And so what you do is you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward. And you heard, let's say, a message about, about the stewardship of your life. You're going you're gonna to get your finances right. And you're tired of living in debt. And you're tired of, of the brokenness of your finances and the stress and the weight that it puts on. And it doesn't it seem like this happens all the time. When you first make that decision, we're going to do this right, honey. We are going to get our act together. The car breaks down the very next week. And it's like you're trying to escape. But the stupid thing breaks down the very next week. And it's the story of your life. It's in every area of your life. You make a definitive decision to move forward. And it's like there's a, there's a stop work program going on right there. You've decided to do what God wants you to do. But you have an enemy who's coming against you. Friends, let me tell you something. You, you're facing a giant. You're facing something coming against you, an enemy that is at work in front of you. Like even in your marriage, we talk about this all the time. You decide, okay, I'm going to do it differently. And then there's this trigger moment that just keeps coming back. And you say, well, I'm not going to go down that road. But you almost like you can't even avoid it. It's like there's somebody who's trying to stop the work of God in your life. Listen to what it says in the book of Second, uh, or First Thessalonians. This is so important. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Here's what the enemy does. Listen very, very carefully. Paul, this, this great man of God who was a leader in the early church, who God used to affect all of our lives 2,000 years later, he, he, God used him to write much of the New Testament part of the Bible. God used him to plant Christian churches all over the Roman world. Incredible man of God. And it was never easy for him. Listen to what he says <coughs> about this enemy that keeps coming up against him to stop the work of God in his life. Like, like think about this. Like, have you ever just got your, the nerve up to share your faith with somebody? You just got to this point where you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it today. I'm going like, to do it. I'm like, I'm on it. And, and you just open up. You get the guts up. And then all of a sudden, it's like, as soon as you start to share with your coworker at work, the boss calls and says, hey, I need you over here. And it's like, What? What? This is my chance. This is my opportunity. So you have a desire to go forward, but you got this stop. And here's what Paul says. He says it like this. For we wanted to come to you. He's talking to this other church in, in, in a whole different part of the region. He's like, we wanted to come. We wanted to spend time with you. We wanted to encourage you in the faith. He says this. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. I wanted to. But listen. But what does he say? But what does he say? Satan stopped us. He tripped us up. 
Now listen, I, we're, not, we're not one of these weird churches. I know some of y'all are thinking in this room already, you're like going, this guy sees a demon behind every corner and he's like, boo, ah, I'd be scared all the time. No, it's not true. I don't think that way at all. Anybody who's been around here knows that that's not the way we think. But friends, we do have an enemy who wants to stop us from doing what God wants us to do in our life. Friends, he wants to blind us, he wants to steal from us, he wants to trap us, and he wants to block us, he wants to stop us. And there's something else, friends. There's something more than just that. His end game is not to slow you down. His end game is not just to trip you up. Let me tell you something, friends. Listen to me, please. The end game of the enemy of God, he wants to destroy you. He wants to end you. He wants to end all that is good and holy and noble in your life. He wants to destroy you and come against you. That is what the scripture teaches us. And here, here's how it says it. It says, your enemy, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, your enemy, what does it say? The devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to what? Devour. Seeking to devour you. He wants to destroy you. Notice something, friends. This is so important. Notice that your enemy is compared to a lion. And a lion is a member of the cat family. It's hard to miss the comparison, friends. I'm just warning you. I'm just saying, okay? Cats, okay? But you see how this whole thing comes together now, right? Um, There is an evil one prowling around, wanting to destroy you. Can I take you out of the game? Can I take you down a notch or two notches? Can I steal from you? Can I rob from you? Can I take your joy? Can I take your movement? Can I take your forward motion away? And more than that, can I put an end to it all? I want to destroy you, friends. Listen, he hates, he hates you. He hates you in a way that you can't even imagine. I mean, most of us don't have like these vindictive people all around us, but we have a vindictive enemy who's always around us. And he hates you. He wants nothing good. He wants to devour you from all and to take from you all that matters to the heart of God. Uh, He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage, friends. Listen, divorce is from the enemy of God. He loves to see two people who at one time stood before him and said, we pledge our lives together. We love each other. It's like us versus the world. We're going to have kids together and we're going to create a home together. We're going to create a family together. And we're going to build a life together. The enemy wants to destroy that. He wants to put a a word in you that says, you know what, this guy isn't really worth it. This girl's not really worth it. These kids aren't really worth it. He wants to destroy you, friends. He loves to devour you. Uh, Like there, There are believers in this room who have worked a lifetime to build the story of God into their life. You've let other people know that you're a person of faith, that that God matters to you, that Christ has done a work inside of you. And you know what your enemy would love to do? He would love to trip you up and have you have one big-time hypocritical moment where everybody else can go, look at that. See? He's fallen just like the rest of us. You have an enemy that wants to steal the joy of Christ from you. You you have an enemy that hates your children. Do you realize that? You have an enemy that wants to addict your children to things that are unholy and that will take them far from the heart of God. 
You have an enemy that wants to, 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 to get your kids to become addicted to things that will control the habit of their life for the rest of their life who will take them out of success, who will take them out of achieving all that God has put in their heart to achieve. You have an enemy that would love for you to be naive into what's coming into your home through the computer. Because you have an enemy that wants to addict, addict your child to pornography and destroy the gift of sex that God wants to give them one day. You're, you have an enemy that would love to have your child be depressed in this world and broken in this world. He wants to destroy your family. If you're single, you have an enemy that's coming up against you saying your purity isn't really that important. Why don't you go out and explore life a little bit? Why don't you go run after all of your desires? He wants to destroy you. Don't believe him. He is a liar. He is a thief. As a matter of fact, this is what the scripture says. Jesus saying these words. Jesus is looking at all this. And listen carefully to what he says. Jesus says this to us. He says the thief, the enemy, the devil. Listen, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come (laughs) that you might have life and have it to the full. Somebody needs to say, woo! You see, what we see with our natural eyes is not all that there is. You have an enemy who somehow makes his way into your physical world. And you know what? Honestly, I'm not sure that I even have to convince you of that. I think you already know this. Even if you don't believe I think you know that you often feel like there is this something that is working against you in your life. Well, Jesus comes along and he says, oh yeah, there is. There's somebody who wants to steal, to kill, and destroy all that is good in your life. But me? He goes, I want to give you life. You have an enemy who wants to take, but I want to give You have an enemy that wants to knock you down, but I want to lift you up. You have an enemy who wants to close off your mind. But I want to open your eyes so that you see with the eyes of eternity. Jesus says, it's different with me. It's different. Here's what the scripture says of Jesus' work. Listen to this. Just one little line. It says this. That the reason the Son of God appeared (laughs) was to destroy the devil's... Come on. To destroy the devil's work. Um, Friends, you have to choose what kingdom you are going to be a part of. You have to choose. And I know it sounds so old school and you expect this when the preacher gets up there, he's gonna like force you into a decision. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. It says that you're gonna have to come to this point of deciding what kingdom you're gonna be part of. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. There's a master over all that is good and holy and then there is a master of darkness. 
You have to choose. You have to choose. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. You, you need to choose Christ. You, you need to choose Jesus. You need to have a relationship with him. I'm telling you, he has never let me down. He has never let anybody I know down who's ever fully trusted in him. They have found their joy in him. They have found their completeness in him. They have found their hope inside of him. They have found renewal. They have found freedom inside of him. I am telling you, Jesus is utterly different in this world. Utterly different. And, I, and I, my guess is, is that a whole bunch of you, um, you know that already. And a whole bunch of you have already settled this matter in your soul, which is really cool. And I just want to remind you of this enemy who does all these things to work against you. Don't let him steal. Don't let him put an end to the work of God in you. Don't, listen, don't let him do it. But for those of you in this room who maybe you have gone forward at one part of your life and now you're kind of struggling, you're kind of shrinking back a little bit. Can I just invite you to return to Jesus? Can I invite you to turn toward him? He loves you and he he wants to accept you and make you whole again. That's what he does. That's what the spirit of God does inside a man or, or, or a woman. And maybe for those in this room where you've just never come to this decision, maybe you're going, I don't even know. I don't even know if this stuff is real. I feel like sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I'm not even real. I don't know. I just don't know. Let me tell you something. The scripture says for you just to walk toward him and he will meet you. It says for you just to be willing to hear his voice and he will meet you. It says be willing to see and you will see him. The scripture says it this way, ask, seek, and knock. You ask, you seek, and you knock and you will find God. You will find him because he is already looking for you. He is. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to pray over us tonight. I'm just going to pray a a, a very simple prayer, a big prayer, but one that just says, Jesus, speak to us. And maybe you know where your heart is. Maybe you know what you need to do. I'm just asking that you would take a next step toward him. That's all. I'm asking that you would trust him more. And maybe for those of you who don't believe, maybe you would want to go one step even further than that. You want to say, I want to believe. Maybe some of you who are already at the I want to believe stage, maybe you're ready to believe. I'm just going to lead you into this. And at the appropriate time, maybe you would just pray along quietly, just between you and God. God hears you. You don't need me. You don't need your neighbor to hear you. God needs to hear your heart. Let me put some words to it. So maybe tonight you would say, dear Father, God, I, uh, I've come to trust you already in my life. But God, I recognize the struggles. I recognize some of the traps that have been circulating <coughs> around in my life. <coughs> God, I need you to forgive me for falling into these traps. I need you to forgive me for, for letting the enemy steal from me, stealing my joy stealing my walk with you. I don't want to be that way. God, I want to run after you. So God, help me to run after you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to see what you want me to see. Help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to go where you want me to go. Help me to run from the things you want me to run from. Just help me, God. Others of you might need to say, Father, I came into this place kind of 
really comes kind of far from you, kind of doubting that you are even real. But I'm ready to take at least a step towards you. God, if you're real at all, I'm willing to say I want to hear from you. God, I'm willing to see you. So God, if you speak, I'll try to listen. God, if you show yourself to me in some way, I'll try to see it. So God, help me to see, help me to hear. I'm willing to go that far tonight. Friends, God will meet you if you pray that prayer with him. Maybe there's others in this room where you're going, you're like saying, Father, I came in and I was already ready to see. I've already been trying to hear from you. And tonight I want to accept your son Jesus into my life. I want life. I don't want death. I want life. So Jesus, forgive my sin. Jesus, take over my soul. God, for as much as I know about you, I give my heart to you. I give everything I know about me to you. God, that's what I want to do. I want to I be your child. So I need your mercy and I need your grace in my life. Please forgive me. Please set me on a new path. I'm ready to be your child, your son, your daughter. Do a work deep inside of me, God. So Father, no matter where we're at tonight, um, I pray that we would all be able to recognize that we have an enemy. God, I pray that your spirit would move among us, God, within us, around us, before us, underneath of us, all over us, God. Help this physical world not to create a spiritual haze in our life. Help us to see you, God. Speak to us, God. Each and every person in every place in their life. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.